Good morning. Let's start with a thought. Let's start with a thought. Before there was a world, God existed. Before there was a world, God existed. And the first verse of the Bible, the Bible, Genesis 1, chapter 1, verse 1 begins with, in the beginning, the Lord made the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, the Lord made the heavens and the earth. Before the world, before there was a world, God existed. So the story starts with God, not us. And if we go on to read, we see that the star character of the Bible is God, not us. And I think that kind of is a striking statement. It might rub us wrong at first, but I think deep down, deep down, most of us have a sense that we are important, we are precious, we, there is something eternal about us people, and yet, and yet we sense there's something, there's someone bigger than us. We're caught up in something bigger than us. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Mommy, who made the sun and the moon and the stars? God. God did. And he didn't even use a shovel or a tractor or glue. He spoke, and it came to be. He created it with his words, not even a shovel. Let there be light. And there was light. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. The starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. By the word of the Lord, God spoke and it came to be. God commanded and it stood firm. God made everything through his words. And then, and then, God the Father says to God the Son and to God the Holy Spirit, let's make a creature, a creature like no other, like a turtle, no, like a squirrel, no, like a ladybug, no, like a tree, no. Let's make a creature unlike any other thing. Let's make a creature like us, like God. And then Genesis says, so God created man in his own image. In a climactic act of creation, God makes man, God makes people in his own image. What does that mean, in his own image? What it means is we, people, are more like God than anything else in all of creation. What does it mean? It means we, people, are an extension of God's blessing and leadership in his whole creative order. What does it mean? It means we have a mind that can know God, we have a heart that can love God, and we have a soul that is incomplete without God. We are created in his image. And then God 
bless them, it says in Genesis. And God blessed them and said to them, multiply and fill the earth. Fill the earth with my image. Fill the earth, my image bearers. You're, you are created in my image. You're more like me than anything else in call creation. Be like me. You're going to love it. Fill the earth with my image. Fill the earth with my wonderfulness. It's going to be so much fun. Fill the earth. So we see a few things happening so far. We see God is the star character of the Bible, not us. And we see that God is not just sitting around. God is doing something. God is doing something with a purpose. God is creating people in his image. God is living in relationship with those people. God is blessing those people. And God is filling the earth with those people. Question, what does it mean that, or well, let me just, before we leave this slide, let me draw your attention to that fill the earth. Fill the earth. That is the beginning. That is the seed that's going to create a theme in the rest of the Bible. All peoples, all nations. Okay? Fill the earth. I want to plant that seed with you. Be watching for it. All peoples, all nations. And what we go on, if we were to keep going through this, what we would see is that God is on a mission. God is on a mission to make his glory known among all peoples and all nations. What does that mean? What does God's glory mean? What does God's glory mean? In very simple terms, God's glory is God's awesomeness. God's glory is God's wonderfulness in very simple terms. What does it mean when, when the Bible says God glorifies himself among people? God makes his glory known among people. God's glory, God's glorifying himself among people. What does that mean? It means people are experiencing God's awesomeness. It means people are enjoying God's wonderfulness in very simple terms. So before we leave this passage again, let me just draw your attention to that phrase, fill the earth, because that is going to be our theme of all peoples and all nations that's going to continue through the Bible. So some time goes by. We keep reading in Genesis. We're in the first chapter right now. If we kept reading through Genesis around chapter 12 or so, we would come across a guy named Abraham. And God says to this guy, Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to, by you, I will bless all peoples. By you, I will bless all peoples. Genesis 12, 3. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you, Abraham. You're going to have a great, 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 great grandson, Abraham. And through that grandson, I'm going to bless all people. And if we kept reading, we would come across a guy named David. And again, let me just, before we leave that, let's just draw our attention to all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. All the peoples of the earth. All peoples, all nations, theme continuing. Let's keep going through the Bible. And we come across a guy, a king named David. And God says to David, David, you're going to have a great, 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 great grandson. And he will rule all nations. Let me draw your attention to all nations. Again, continuing our theme of all peoples, all nations. Let's keep going. If we were to go all the way to the New Testament now, and Jesus arrives, 
What is the first verse of the New Testament? How is Jesus introduced in the book of Matthew to the world? Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, introduction of Jesus. Wow, we could introduce Jesus in so many ways, couldn't we? But here's how he's introduced. Verse 1, chapter 1, this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham. And so now the readers are like, whoa, this is the promised son of David who's going to rule all nations. This is the promised son of Abraham who's going to bless all people. Chapter 1, verse 1. That's how the book of Matthew begins. How does the book of Matthew end? Chapter 28. 18 to 20, Jesus said to them, he pulls his disciples together, Jesus said to them, all authority, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Why? Because go back to Genesis. I was the one that created all things. All things were created for me. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples among all nations. There it is again, that theme of all peoples, all nations. And the same theme is continued in the book of Mark. When the uh, book of Mark says, this gospel we will be proclaimed in the whole world. Same thing, all peoples, all nations, whole world. Matthew, uh, Mark, Luke, if we go to Luke, uh, repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Same thing, all peoples, all nations. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John, most popular verse in the world, John 3, 16, for God so loved America that he sent his only son. No, that's not what it says. For God so loved the world. God is not this regional God over the Middle East or an American God. Genesis told us all things, all countries, all peoples, all planets, all galaxies, all ladybugs were created by God and for God. Jesus says, or John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. That is his ambition. And that is our ambition. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. If we go a bunch of chapters forward in, in, uh, in John's gospel, we would see Jesus praying for the disciples before he's arrested and he goes to the cross. Do you, uh, awkwardly worded question, not a well-worded question, but do you remember what Jesus prays for the believers in John chapter 17? Anyone? unity unity he says father may they be one as you and i are one again a poorly worded question but do you remember what the result of that unity will be the world will know that you have sent me people are going to change their religious beliefs and say those people over there, not those, not those, them, those Christians, they must be 
the people of God. They have this love. They have this unity. They have this image within them that seems it's just how it should be. It's how, it's how life should be. He says, I in them and them in, or no, he says, may they be one. I in them and you in me so that they might be brought to complete unity, period. Then the world will know that you have sent me and you have loved me as, as I have loved them. So Jesus is connecting what's happening in this world back to that theme of all peoples, all nations. Why are we persevering for unity in Cherrydale? Well, Psalmist says, because how good and pleasant it is when God's people live in harmony with one another. Yes, it's true, it's wonderful. And, and so that the world may know that God sent Jesus. All peoples and all nations, God's glory among the nations is one of the reasons that we're working toward unity in our church. It's not just about us and our family and our nation. It's about the world, all peoples and all nations. Hold on to that word, world. So uh, then Jesus says, after that prayer, he says, just as, just as the Father sent me into the world, so I send you, Christian. Just as the Father sent me on mission for the good of the world, Jesus says, amazing verse, I also send you on mission for the good of the world. And then the next verse right after that, it says, and he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And so he is now commissioning us, just as Jesus was sent by the Father on mission for the good of the world. He says, so I send you on mission for the good of the world. Receive the Holy Spirit. And then in the book of Acts, it says, and you will, and, and when the Spirit comes on you, you, this is the last words of Jesus before he ascends back to heaven. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. When, quote, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive, or when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will receive power, dynamo, you will receive power, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There's that theme again, ends of the earth. All peoples, all nations. And in Matthew 28, our scripture verse today, that was recited for us, Jesus explicitly pulls us into the mission when he says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go. Go, therefore, and make disciples among all nations. Jesus is explicitly pulling us into the mission. Jesus is explicitly defining the mission. What's our mission? To make disciples among all nations. 
And then Jesus is commissioning. That is it, guys. That is our mission, to make disciples among all nations. We're all going to have different roles. We're all going to have very different roles in that, different giftings, different personalities, different capacities, different lots in life, different life stages. But we're all parts of one body, the body of Christ, which is making disciples among all nations. That is what's going on right now. So in the book of Acts, Jesus says, when the Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that's exactly what we see happening after that moment. We see a geographical and a spiritual progression spreading outwards. And you see people like the Apostle Paul literally trying to get to the ends of the earth to tell them about Jesus. To, to, so that they too might know God, so that they too might enjoy God, and so that they too might love God. God's glory known among all the nations. And that's what we see happening throughout the rest of the New Testament. And that's what we see happening today. And then if we were to fast forward past all that and past even today, how does the, book, how does the Bible end? In the book of Revelation, Revelation 7, 9, and behold, a great multitude that no one could count, here we go, watch this, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne of God, basking in his glorious presence, knowing God, enjoying God, loving God, swimming around, basking in God's glorious presence. The mission that God began in Genesis 1, he completes in the last book of the Bible, Revelation. All peoples, all nations, enjoying God, knowing God as he really is, loving God, swimming around in his glorious presence. Again, let's draw our attention to every nation and step back Let's step back now. Let's step back and think about this, okay? So if we saw this theme of all peoples, all nations mentioned a lot and God's mission to glorify himself among all peoples and all nations. But guys, I don't think it's enough. I don't think it's enough to say there's a lot of verses in the Bible about all peoples and all nations. There's a lot of verses in the Bible about God's mission. It's not enough to say that, guys. Because if we were to connect the dots, that is the very, it's not just mentioned a lot or repeated a lot, it's the very storyline of the Bible. It's the storyline of the Bible. It's not just stories within the Bible, it's the story of the Bible. It's the narrative arc from Genesis to Revelation. If we were to draw it out on a piece of paper, if we were to take a piece of paper and draw it out, it would look like this. We got Adam and Eve, and God says, fill the earth. Then we got Abraham, and he says, all peoples on earth are going to be blessed to you. Then David, you're going to rule all nations. Then Jesus, son of David, this is, I shouldn't have slid this down. Son of Abraham, make disciples among all nations. Book of Acts, you'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Book of Revelation, the whole ends of the earth are worshiping now. People of every tribe, nation, people, and tongue. 
Genesis to Revelation, that is the narrative arc. Adam and Eve, Genesis, fill the earth. Abraham, all peoples blessed through you. David, all nations ruled by you. Jesus, I am that promised one. I am the promised son. Through me, I will bless all people. Through me, I will rule all nations. Then book of, and then, and then he says, now you go, go out and make disciples of all nations. Book of Acts, witnesses to the ends of the earth, then ends with revelation. People from every nation, tribe, language, worshiping the Lord, worshiping the Lord, basking in his presence. So guys, that's important. I know it's a nuance, but that's really important. It's not just that all peoples, all nations are mentioned a lot. It's not just that God's mission is repeated a lot. It's the storyline of the Bible. It's the narrative arc from Genesis to Revelation. It is the grand narrative of life. It is the grand narrative of life in the age we're living in at least. So does this mean, does this mean, every, every once in a while this question will come up, does this mean that every Christian should be involved in missions? Does this mean that every Christian should be involved in missions? Is missions not a ministry, but Christian ministry for all of us? Hmm. And I think that's, a hard question to answer uh, because it depends on what you mean by the question, should every Christian be involved in missions? It depends on what you mean. Perhaps, perhaps we could think about it this way. That might even be a little bit more helpful. Think about it this way. If God is passionate for his glory among all nations, which he is, if God is passionate for his glory among all nations, then we too are passionate for God's glory among all nations. Why? Because we are the children of God and we want the same things our heavenly father wants. We care about our heavenly father. If our father wants this, we want this. And God is shaping our hearts to become more and more like his. God is shaping our hearts to desire the things that God desires, to value the things that God values, and to pursue the things that God pursues. If God is passionate for his glory among all nations, not just America, then we, Christian, are passionate for God's glory among all nations. We want for Jesus to be known and enjoyed and loved in North Korea. We want Jesus to become famous in Afghanistan and Saudi Arabia and Nepal and India and Indonesia and Thailand. We want them waving Jesus flags like CNN, this is amazing, we can't describe this. There's like this awakening, there's this like revival. And Jesus is spreading throughout the nations. Imagine them all waving Jesus flags on CNN. 
we want Jesus to become famous in North Korea because we want the things Jesus wants. So in that sense, I won't say it. In that sense, yes, we want God's glory among the nations. We want souls saved. We want disciples made. We want churches multiplied among all nations because that's what God is doing in the world and we want what God wants and we join God in what he's doing. What does it look like? What does it look like to, for our hearts to be passionate for the glory of God among all nations? Psalm 33, let the whole earth fear the Lord. Psalmist is praising psalmist is praying and the psalmist says what's on my heart what's on my mind let the whole earth let the earth fear the lord let all the peoples of the world stand in awe over him what does it look like to have a heart that has a passion for god's glory among all nations psalm 47 psalm 47 clap your hands the psalmist says the psalmist is praising the psalmist is praying the psalmist is singing and worshiping and he says what's on my heart what's on my mind what's on my mind is like the nation's clapping he says clap your hands all you nations quote all you nations he says shout with songs of joy to the lord Psalm 96, declare his ways among, or declare his glory on the earth, his marvelous deeds to all the nations. What's on the psalmist's mind? What's on the psalmist's heart? God's glory among the nations. If God is passionate for his glory among the nations, we are passionate for his glory among the nations. How many of the Psalms are like that? Talking about the nation, all nations, all peoples, God's glory known, how many? 50, 15, that's a lot. No, not 15, 50, five, zero, 50. 50 out of 150 Psalms are talking that way about all peoples, all nations, God's glory known among them, 50. And I ask myself, and I ask us, church, how many of our prayers are about God's glory among all nations. What's on our minds? What's on our hearts? They, it should be our families. It should be our nation. It should be our jobs. These are real things that are important to God, but it shouldn't only be about that. Is this about quantities and ratios? No, but it's just a check to see what does the wholeness of our prayer life look like? What does the balance of our prayer life look like? Do we pray for God's glory to be known among the nations? 50 out of 150 Psalms pray that way about the nations, about all peoples, about God's glory among the nations. Is God just sitting around wishing for his glory among the nations no god is not just sitting around 
wishing for his glory among the nations. Today, today, right now, God is gathering for himself people from the nations to know him, to enjoy him, and to love him. Today, right now, God is gathering for himself people from the nations to know him and love him today. How is God doing that? How is God doing that? Through us. Through us. This is an amazing passage. Paul writes to the Corinthians, therefore, we Christians are ambassadors for Christ. What does an ambassador do? Comma, God, this is so amazing. God is making his appeal to all peoples and all nations. Look at the next words through us, through us. And Paul goes on to say, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. How is God gathering for himself people from all nations to glorify himself? Through us. That is an amazing truth. Through us, we are just these jars of clay, but we're filled inside with a treasure the Holy Spirit and the gospel about Jesus through us. God's plan to advance the storyline of the Bible is through us. God's plan to accomplish the storyline of the Bible is through us, the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. That is amazing. That narrative arc of world history, God is advancing that storyline through us. God will accomplish that storyline through us, his spirit working in us and through us. We all have different roles for sure, but we are all, wherever we're at, we're all helping people to know God and to enjoy God, and to love God, and to treasure God. And some of us are going to go and cross barriers, distances, oceans, cultures, languages. Some of us are going to cross barriers to reach them. And others of us are going to help send them. Others of us are going to help pray for them. Others of us are going to help support them. Others of us are going to do behind-the-scenes operational things so that they can focus on the work. But all of us have in our ambitions all peoples of all nations, not just my family and my nation. My ambition, your ambition is all peoples from all nations. And that narrative arc that we saw that storyline of the Bible we saw on that piece of paper connects to everything in life. It connects to everything in life. Blessings. Think about blessings for a second. When God blesses us, he intends for that blessing to bless us for sure. And God's blessings bless us and bless us and bless us so much that they overflow. That's just how God is. He loves to bless. He loves to give us wonderful things and we swim around in them. 
and we love it, and they bless us and bless us and bless us and overflow, and they're intended not to terminate with us, but to overflow to our neighbors and to the nations. Psalm 67, Psalm 67, this isn't a slide, but what does it say? Psalm 67, the Israelites pray, may God be gracious to us, may God bless us, may God make his face shine upon us. That's verse one, may God bless us, may God be gracious to us, may God make his face shine upon us. That's verse one. What does verse two say? So that, so that your ways may be known on earth and your salvation to all among all nations. Does the blessing come from God to us and terminate with us? No. That psalm says the blessing comes from God to us and it blesses us and blesses us and blesses us so much that it overflows out of us to our neighbors and to the nations. Bless us so that your ways may be known on the earth your salvation among all nations. May the peoples of the world praise you, God. May all peoples praise you, verse 3. Then verse 4 goes on to say, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Do you see it, guys? The it starts with God bless us, but then it overflows to all peoples praising, all nations being glad and singing for joy. The blessing didn't stop with them. The blessing fills them up and overflows to their neighbors and to the nations. The storyline of the Bible, that narrative arc, all nations, all peoples, all nations, God's glory known among them, that storyline of the Bible, that narrative arc connects with everything in our life, including our spiritual rhythms. Think about it this way. Let's not put our spiritual rhythms, our spiritual disciplines, whatever we call them, our relationship with Jesus, all the way over here, disconnected from the grand narrative of life. When we read the Bible, when we pray, when we fellowship with our life group, when we fast, when we do those kinds of things, it's not this isolated thing only over here, just only for my relationship with Jesus, which is a very important thing, but it's not only about that. Connect it. Connect our Bible study, connect our prayer, connect our life groups back to the grand narrative of life. Hear this. When we're doing those things, God is growing our intimacy with Him. God is growing your intimacy with Him, which will become foundational for God accomplishing His mission through you. When we are doing those things, reading our Bibles, praying, fellowshipping with our life group, fasting, whatever it is, it's not only merely for our relationship with Jesus. It is also, not instead of, it's also connected to the grand narrative of life, God's mission, His glory among the nations, because as God grows us in our intimacy with Him, it will be found in God accomplishing his mission through you. So when we are learning to speak tenderly to our wives, it's not just about us and our marriage. There's something much bigger happening. 
God is preparing us and forming us and growing us in our intimacy with him in a way that is foundational to God accomplishing his mission through us among the nations. Even our ministries, we can think of them this way. When we give food to a hungry person, we're not just giving that food to the hungry person because think about it. Yes, we care about physical suffering in this life, but what good is it to feed a man in this life and have him starve in all eternity? So God cares about physical suffering. He cares very much about our physical suffering. And so when we give that person a bowl of soup, it is very loving. James even calls it true religion. But we don't do it all the way over here in this isolated thing, like here's some soup, it's about the soup in your body. No, we attach the name of Jesus to that bowl of soup. This, this soup is given you in Jesus' name. What does that mean? It means Jesus cares about you and so do we. It means that Jesus has a will for your life. You were created by him and for him, and there's something much bigger happening in this moment than you hungry and getting a bowl of soup. We attach it, we attach that bowl of soup, we attach that mercy ministry, we attach our marriage ministry, whatever it is, we attach that ministry to the grand narrative of life. We don't let it be isolated out there. We attach the name of Jesus to that bowl of soup. And then if they believe, we don't just make converts, do we? The Great Commission said, make disciples. So we're not merely making converts, we're making them into disciples who know Jesus and enjoy Jesus and follow Jesus and love Jesus. And we're not just leaving disciples floating around out there in a world with just me and Jesus land, no. In every instance in the New Testament, followers of Jesus, new converts, are gathered into the family of God, gathered into the church in every instance. So we're not just giving out soup, we're telling about Jesus. And we're not just making converts out of them with Jesus, we're making them into disciples. And we're not just leaving disciples floating around out there, we're gathering them into his family, the church. And it's not just about that disciple and that church, it's about dis disciples multiplying and churches multiplying to make God's glory known among all peoples and all nations. They might not ever make it to North Korea. They might not ever make it to Lebanon, but we're making a, a disciple which has that genetic DNA strand in them who's thinking, I am passionate for God's glory to be known among the nations. I might not play a direct role in reaching North Korea or Lebanon or Syria or Qatar or any of these places, but I have a passion to see them reached I have a passion for Jesus to be famous in these places. And when we have that passion, all of a sudden, we just look at the resources we have and the doors that we open, and we say, God, what would, have, what would you have me pursue? And that's going to look very different in each of our lives. So it connects this grand narrative, this storyline of the Bible connects to everything in our life everything. It connects to whatever we do. Think about Solomon. Think about Solomon. He built this temple, this amazing temple in Jerusalem, in this town Jerusalem. And what does Solomon say when he says, he says, God received this temple, receive this temple and bless your people. And he says in 1 Kings 8, so that, so that, all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God 
and that there is no other. Did you hear that? So that all the peoples of the earth may know that you're a God. So he builds this temple in Jerusalem, but he connects his temple to the grand narrative of life, God's glory among the nations. And Jesus, you remember Jesus, when he hits the scene and he saw that they turned his temple into a den of robbers, what does he say? He, well, he clears the temple, but he says, my house will be a house of prayer for the nations, for all nations. So Jesus connects that moment and that ministry and everything he does back to the grand narrative of life. This temple is my house and it's a house of prayer. And it's not just like a house of prayer in, like in this isolated way. It's a house of prayer for all nations. Solomon connected his temple to, to the grand narrative of life. Jesus connects that moment to the grand narrative of life. Think about Jesus again. What did we pray earlier? When Jesus prays for unity, he says, that the world may know that you have sent me. Whether we're like Solomon building a temple, whether we're cleaning buildings or fixing cars or programming computers or making music or changing diapers or doing racial reconciliation or planting churches, whatever it is, we connect it to this grand narrative of life. It's the way life's meant to be lived. We connect it to mission. Whatever we do, we connect it. Let's close with this. Two Olympic track stars. Two Olympic track stars. Journalist comes up to the first one. Journalist says, what makes you guys run the way you do with such explosive energy and passion? He asked the first track star, what makes you run the way you do? Track star says, when that starting gun goes off, and I'm running down that corridor four feet wide. I have 10 lonely seconds to prove my worth to the world. Hmm. Second track star, what about you? What makes you run the way you do with such passion and explosive energy? Second track star says, I believe God made me with a purpose. God made me fast. And when I run, I feel the pleasure of God. He was running for God's glory among the nations. And he also goes on to say, God made me with a purpose. And that purpose is to be a missionary. And one day, I'm going to travel very far to a culture I've never been to, a people I've never met to in China. And I'm going to make disciples and multiply churches in China that's going to spread out and fill the earth. But for today, what makes me run fast? God made me with a purpose, and he also made me fast. And when I run fast, I feel the pleasure of God. That was, over, that was close to 100 years ago, and we're still talking about it today, and people from all over the world quote that. He was running a race, but running a race, a secular activity, 100-meter track event, secular event, running a race. That secular Thing turns into a spiritual thing and a sacred thing when it's connected to the grand narrative of life. Isn't that what Paul tells the Corinthians? Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all 
to the glory of God. Whether you eat or drink or fix cars or architect buildings or clean houses or change diapers or work toward racial reconciliation, whatever it is, do it all to the glory of God. Connect it all to the grand narrative of life, God's glory among all nations. God's glory among all nations is not just something we add to our busy lives. Mission, missions is not something we add to our busy lives. It is the grand narrative of your life. Let's pray. Father, it's true we are just jars of clay. Fill us with your spirit. Speak through us. Work through us. We long to see you famous among the nations. We long for all peoples and all nations to know you and to enjoy you and to love you and to bask in your glorious presence. Use us. Use us toward that end. All we have, Father, is a few fish and a few loaves. How far then can they go? Multiply our efforts miraculously, not for our accomplishment, but for your glory. Use us. Amen.